Hey everyone, this is Siobhan with the Creative Outsiders. Yay, we're back in season three. If you haven't been listening and you are just now joining us, we are here to connect the dots for women storytellers. Basically, I want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. For creatives, by creatives, location locked. Wish you could find production staff that's professional and easy to work with. Do you lose a lot of time trying to find the perfect location? Then you'll love Location Lock, a peer-to-peer marketplace that offers filmmakers and content creators like yourself the opportunity to book locations and services needed for your next big project or event. Location Lock can also help spread the word about your next open photography session or casting call. It's a win-win. Visit LocationLock.com today and get started. And I'm excited that you are tuning in and today to sit down and chat with Jasmine. And I was telling her before we jumped on that I've known her since the beginning of Black Twitter when it was jumping, okay? Calling myself just a creative risk taker. And so, you know, when people ask me what I do, I'm a creative. And then we just kind of, you know, the conversation can go from there. So glad that you're on. I'm so happy to be here. And yeah, like way back when, was that like 09? I don't know. I feel like it is because yeah, I have, I'm, I've so fallen off on Twitter. It's ridiculous. Me too. That I deleted that page that I had on to have that page anymore because I used to wow out on there. <laughs> on the Twitter page now. <laughs> that's funny. I probably should go and look at mine because I'm pretty sure I have stuff up there that's like crazy, but it is what it is. To open up, I'm doing something a little bit different for season three. I'm going to give you two words. So it's either or. Okay. Okay. So first one, writer or producer? <sighs> writer. Okay. Instagram or Facebook? Oh my gosh. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> Summer or winter? Um, winter. I'm- and this will be the last one. Creative or storyteller? Ooh, that one's so tough, Siobhan. I know. I, I was trying to do that for myself, too. And I was like, I can't choose. Oh, girl. Oh, girl. And I have to pick one. Oh, my goodness. I'll say creative. Because while I am a storyteller, I, I create. I, I'm, I'm an overall creative. So, yes, yeah, creative. Okay. See, it wasn't that hard. No pressure. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, for people who don't know, because you do wear, like, I was reading your bio and I was like, listen, I thought that I was over here doing the most in a way. <laughs> but you wear a lot of hats. So, for people who don't know you, who is Jasmine? What do you do? And what drives you? I've kind of been summing it up and lately just kind of calling myself a creative risk taker. Because I, I, again, like you said, I do so many things and I have um, an interest in a lot of things, which are all creative, though. Like I write, like I've most recently um, written a screenplay, written a couple of episodes for a scripted podcast. I also produce, so I've been an audio producer for a number of years, started with radio um, and then now into podcasting. And I'm getting into TV as well. Like my business partner and I, we're co-creating a television show together that I'll be executive producing. So I do production. I've done 
PR for some people just on some random stuff. I've, I founded a podcast festival in my hometown. So I don't know what you would call that, like event production. <laughs> I've, I've also done, and I have an interest in because I want to do another podcast festival as well. Yeah, like some, some creative marketing stuff, like some content strategy, some creative strategy. So pretty much anything that requires, uh, you know, creative ideation. Mm-hmm. Um, I have probably put my hand in it at one point. Do you feel the pressure to focus on one thing? Because that's something I've been asking myself. Um, and I actually was listening to somebody else on a podcast talk. And the pressure when people ask you, like, what do you do? That you have to give one definite answer. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something that comes up a lot for me. Um, actually, I hate the question that people ask, like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I live in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the first question that people ask you here, like before they even ask your name, they're like, oh, what do you do? I don't like that question because it's such a long-winded winded answer. Mm-hmm. And um, because as a creative, like, I respect myself and I respect my, my art forms. And so I feel like if I just tell them one thing, it kind of takes away from all of the other things that I do, you know, because I could say, oh, I'm a producer. But then, you know, that takes away from the fact that I'm a writer and that, you know, I, I, I do so many other things. However, heard this this saying, don't be a jack of all trades and a mm-hmm. master of none. Sometimes I do feel a little insecure. Like, do I have one area of expertise that like I could teach if I needed to teach it today? Could I teach some of these things that I do? But I always come back to, yeah, I can, because what I am an expert in is being creative, you know, mm-hmm. and like that is good enough for me. I know that I can create um, you know, from my heart and whatever that ends up being, it might be, uh, you know, I might write a lifestyle piece for a blog or I might write a movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or might write some copy for um, an advertising agency. Like I am an expert at being creative. And so that's kind of what I land on. And again, I've just recently started calling myself just a creative risk taker. And so, you know, when people ask me, what I do, I'm a creative. And then I, we just kind of, you know, the conversation can go from there. And I think that's, uh, that's funny that you said that because that's something before that um, I think my dad said to me, like, he was like, I don't want you to be out here and you are a jack of all trades and a master of none. And that mm-hmm. really used to like bother me because for a long time I didn't know how, because my undergrad is actually in counseling. And then my master's is in MFA. And for the longest time, I was really trying to figure out how I connected those two things. But like you said, Mm -hmm. one, I've always been a creative, like at heart. But when I go back and look, I think about it. And when you said it, because I'm so visual, just like you are, when you Mm -hmm. were talking, it made me think about a quilt. And you know how a quilt has all these little of your life. But in the big scheme of things, it's a quilt and they're all like tied together. So um, I think that's just like what a creative is. We have the ability to take little pieces and we are able to have this beautiful like picture at the end. And I think that I love that. I know. I just got it when you was talking. I was like, I'm about to (laughs) use that. That's a good one. Yes, girl. Yeah, that's very, very good. That's that's like the perfect way to describe our our makeup and what it will eventually become. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just to what we have the ability to do as creatives 
is that we have the ability to, it's like human connection. We make it relatable mm-hmm. and real for people who don't have that gift. So I like that you call mm-hmm. yourself a creative risk taker. Thank you. You did say a brief like snippet of the things that you do and all of that. How are you able to manage and wear so many different hats? I have a huge support system. Like I work with, um, it's not a large team, but I don't work on any projects alone. Mm -hmm. Like when I did the Milwaukee podcast festival, my co-founder, you know, was my friend Jadana, who was also a podcaster now with night view live is um, i'm doing it with alex who i actually used to work for alex i used to be his executive producer for his radio show in atlanta you know we've come together again to work together the short film i was actually approached to write the short film by my friend santana and her friend emily um, in milwaukee and so you know writing the script for their film that she's going to direct um and then I just wrote a couple of episodes for the District Queen podcast, which um, my one of my best friends was the main voiceover actress for season one. And so she introduced me to the creator and the director. And then, you know, we got together and I've written a couple episodes for their season two. So I don't do anything by myself, mm-hmm. which it allows me to work on so many different things at one time because it's not just me um, doing them. Do you uh-huh. think that it's... <laughs> difficult for creatives to initially collaborate. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. It's it's because like the way that creatives are, we see things. My friend Sam and I actually like had this conversation not too long ago. Like we see the world a lot differently than than people who are not creative, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not uh, in a better way or a worse way. We just see things a lot differently. And so what usually happens throughout our lives is like we go to school, you know, school has this this strict format of like how they teach people and how they kind of train you to be. And so you're so used to kind of stifling your creativity Uh and thinking that people won't understand it. And you kind of develop a shell and and you start to, to want to do things by yourself because you just don't understand. You just don't think that people will understand it. And so I know when I was first starting out, I did, a lot of things on my own and I tried to because I didn't think that people would get me or like, you know, I, I grew up like I also call myself like an urban quirky creative, right? Because like I grew up in the hood, but like I've always been very like quirky. So mm-hmm. very different from the people that I grew up around. And so I went through life a lot of times not feeling as comfortable with like my imagination or, you know, some of the things that I would create in my mind, I didn't want to, I didn't feel as comfortable being vocal about that Mm -hmm. because it was going to be looked at as something weird. Right. And so um, as I became an adult and started to create on my own, I I had that same kind of insecurity. Like people are going to think this is like weird or they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand my sense of humor. And so I started doing a lot of stuff by myself, but you burn out so quickly when you're Mm -hmm. trying to do so many things alone and then all it takes is you opening up and then you know also as you get older you meet friends and you meet people who are a lot like you mm-hmm. and you start to you know run in circles with people who have similar interests and they have these great big imaginations as well and then you find it much easier to collaborate um and so I've just been really really lucky again like my friend Alex you know this is like five years in that you know we work together so, and he, he gets my creativity, I get his. And so 
that's a, a blessing. Like, all, you know, my best friends in life, it's such a blessing because while all of them are not creative, they understand me and they understand how my mind works. And so they're always willing to help me in, in spaces where I need help. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. So then when you mentioned as far as like growing up as a creative and just like how the school system does stifle us, because I literally thought that like everybody's brain was like how mine was <laughs> so far as like just imagination wise, like I could see a word and then I would be like gone off like, oh, this would be a really good idea. I really thought that people were like that until, like you said, I realized like, wait, no, everybody doesn't see it that way. Do you think that it was a pivotal moment in your life where you gave yourself permission to be a creative? Remember it being like this one Mm -hmm. big moment, but it was just kind of a collective, uh, like moments, right? Like just as I was becoming an adult, I want to say, it was, I think it was around the time that I met you because I was, I was really active on social media and um, I wasn't like shy about giving my opinions on things. Mm-hmm. And I was doing like some fashion writing and, and people were like asking me to like write stuff for their blogs and stuff like that. And so that that's when it started to be like, wait, like people actually not only get me, but they like me enough that they want me to contribute to their creative work as well. And then, you know, I moved to Chicago and it just, it was just very much more supported. Not just one moment, but it was, this is a thing. And like, this is the thing that you are and that you always have been. And people will support it. Not everybody will, but there are people out there who will support it and will understand it. So that's when I would say, like, I started to become much more comfortable in being kind of like this, you know, quirky, like creative mm-hmm. person. And you saying that as far as because you have written for a short. Yes. Yeah. So because I know a couple of things got delayed, like I actually have to do another version of the script so everything should be finalized and i want to say they're going to start casting and everything in january called black girl training correct yes it's called black girl training and it's so funny not just because i wrote it but like (laughs) it is really funny (laughs) i know a lot of women that listen are in different eight well not ages sorry stages of just their creative career so when you went to write your initial short film or yeah, specifically short film, how did you get started? Because that's the issue that a lot of women have. Like, how do I start? Especially if I didn't go to school for this, like, yeah, what do I do? Because that's, it's easy for me to say, Oh, it's easy because I spent all my coins to go get an MFA. However, yeah, <laughs> for somebody who isn't going to go to school for it, How do you get started as a screenwriter? I would say, and this is something that I practice, I did not graduate from college at all. I went, but I didn't graduate. So what I do is I always surround myself with people who either did go to college for the things that I'm doing or... They've worked very extensively in that field. Santana, who is the director of Black Girl Training, I met her. I was I was in Milwaukee, and it was the 
week of um, the Milwaukee Film Festival, and I was doing some social media management for a documentary that was in the festival. And so I met Santana there, and we were talking about my podcast festival, which was happening in, like, a couple of weeks. And we just really clicked. We would just talk, and I would just tell her about, like, all of these ideas that I had. She's a director, and so she was working at a production company in Milwaukee, I believe her degree is in film. Mm-hmm. Um, she has she has a degree. Her coworker Emily also just graduated with a degree in film, and so she's a producer. And so they initially approached me because they wanted to write a movie about um, like a girl in her twenties, right? And so mm-hmm. Santana's like, I know you write, like I know you've written things before, and you also have a podcast about this exact same thing. Plus, like you're funny, so let's just write this movie. And I'm like, I've literally never written like a full script before. And she's like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, she was just like, I know, like, I just believe that you can do it. Like, I believe you have what I'm looking for. And so we just started the process there. It ended up being Black Girl Training because the 20 something series movie just wasn't meshing well. Like we Mm -hmm. just couldn't figure out how to make it entertaining enough for it to be like all of our like first films. Emily is actually the basis of black girl training. Like she was she's black and she was adopted by a white family and grew up like in a really like predominantly white town in Wisconsin. And then she went to school in Milwaukee, which is like, you know, pretty black. And that got there. And so jumping into writing the the script for that, we just did a lot of like outlining. So we outlined the entire short, like the first scene, you know, from the first scene to the last scene, how we wanted all the scenes to go. We kind of like developed the characters a little bit. This was like the tone that we wanted it to have. These are some of the major points that we wanted to touch on within the script. And then, so when I went to go write the script, it was basically me just creating dialogue because we had everything Mm -hmm. else that we needed you know, beforehand. So I wasn't just making stuff up. I already knew the direction that I wanted to go in. And so I think that's how you just kind of break into it at first, as I would say, like, outline. I was I was reading um, an article, and I can't think of who wrote it off the top of my head, but this guy, he writes features, and he said, like, he'll do his outline, like, multiple times before he even touches, like, before he even starts because you know the script and I'm sure you know this the script should just be you creating dialogue like you should already know where you're going to start and where you're going to finish absolutely but that's really good because you had a very good uh first experience (laughs) no really that's like a really good experience because when I was in school the first time I wrote like my first short script they like tore my thing to pieces child (laughs) it was so good and that's that's the stage that we're in now like they've you know, like we, we, I wrote the script, we looked at it, we thought it was good, we thought it was funny, and then started getting some other eyes on it, and now there's like six pages of notes for like, for like a 15 um, minute short film, there's like six pages of notes that I have to like go in and, and kind of redo the script a little bit, but again, it's a really good learning experience, um, mm-hmm. and the same with like the scripted podcast that I've written some episodes for, like we've done so many drafts of just those episodes, but it's, it's just, you know, helping me as someone who wants to uh, continue being a screenwriter. Now, you know, I know the first draft is never going to be the final <laughs> draft, so. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> Why a podcast? Uh, you did mention that you did the 20-something series. What made you say, okay, I want to use this platform to showcase my voice? Um, I had an I had a, a dream, a short-lived 
a dream of being like a radio personality. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the 20 something series was kind of me exercising that, like, you know, kind of seeing what I could do with it if I even really wanted to do it. Plus the subject matter, like I had, I just turned 30 in October and I had like a wild, my 20s were ridiculously like (laughs) crazy and so I remember like being because I think I was 27 or 28 when I came up with the idea but I remember thinking like man we need a place where we could just talk about like the crazy stuff that happens because I cannot be alone in like all of these experiences and Mm -hmm. that was how the 20 something series was kind of born and um, initially was going to be a blog but you know we're in in an age where yes. people reblog, yeah, but it's like audio is just easy, more easy, like easily digestible. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I got into podcasting and I, I loved it so much. Like I listened to so many different podcasts that I like did a whole festival about it because like podcast is. I mean, I obviously my first love is radio, but um, you know, podcasting is a soup, like it's a rising medium and mm-hmm. it's only going to continue to to get bigger. And, you know, like I like to be on the side of innovation and I can just see where podcasting is going. It's going to be like a billion dollar industry by like 2020, I believe. So um, it's just, it's just a new way right now. And um, it just made sense for me to put, you know, something that I was working on on that type of platform. So then how did you pivot into saying, okay, I want to do a podcast festival? Um, that was actually like really simple. So I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, that's where I was born and I lived there until I left for school. Um, and when I started doing my podcast, I was living in Chicago. And so I started getting introduced to a lot of podcasts that were hosted by people from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And um, Milwaukee is just not a city that when you think of like creative black people or creative people of color, you don't think of Milwaukee at all. No, honestly. no, no. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, man, this is a, a really good opportunity for us to showcase um, our talent. And, and a lot of the podcasts that I was listening to from from people in Milwaukee were really, really good. And I was like, how can we, how can we have a platform where all of us can be kind of heard at the same time? And so I just was like, I should do a festival because there was like the Now Hear This festival in New York, which was like a podcast festival as well. I know Chicago has something similar. And so I was like, well, Milwaukee, you know, I should just do this for Milwaukee. I had no idea that it was going to like take so much work and so much freaking money but um, yeah. I just, it was really just born out of a, a desire to showcase the talent in my hometown. So uh, that is another thing. And that doesn't just carry over into film, but anything. You said you didn't know it was going to cost that much. So I have a couple of questions. Did you? Because sure. this is what we do as creatives. Um, and you said you are a creative risk taker. So you Mm -hmm. jump out the window, you say, okay, I want to have this festival, and you didn't consider the cost, right? Nope, because it was, (laughs) I had never done, like, I had never done an event like that ever. Like, I've helped on people's events, Mm -hmm. assisted with things, but I had never done an event like that. And 
my whole thing like I'm a real like go big or go home type mm-hmm. of person so I'm like I can't start small and build up like I'm just gonna like go ball to the wall <laughs> like give it all that mm-hmm. I, I can give it and if it sticks it sticks if it doesn't you know I'll just figure it out on the other side but yeah it was a huge financial undertaking my business partner on that project Jadon he actually contributed like the first like uh you know like the first financial contribution for us to even lock in the brilliant idiots because I knew I wanted them mm-hmm. but you know they cost they cost money you know so he he was gracious in that and he was the reason that we were able to like lock them in to their contract to be able to like make sure that we had them so yeah we and then throughout you know after that just venue and all the other stuff like we had a really good um cocoa and butter they're from milwaukee two young ladies from milwaukee kayla and jasmine they live in los angeles now but they they sponsored all of the marketing for us so that was you know oh wow that was like yeah oh my gosh i was i was so happy when they offered to do that for us because again you know we're spending just so much money and um, i had worked with them before and they were really really nice about that so we had definitely some help and we had like some advertising sponsors in Milwaukee. But yeah, just <laughs> the money that goes into putting on an event like that was nothing that I ever imagined. I'm still, to the day, that was October 2017. I still have not like made my money back from that. <laughs> wow. So would you do it again? Absolutely. One, like 110%. I'll tell you like a really quick story. So the day of the podcast or the day before the podcast festival, we still needed um, some money to like make our final deposit to the brilliant idiots. And like the amount of money that we needed, I had that exact amount, like plus $200, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in my account. And so I had to, and that was supposed to be my rent for like the next month. So I used my rent money to like make sure that we made our final payment. So like the day of the podcast festival, I think I had like $45 like to my name that day. And like, I was the happiest I had ever been. (laughs) And after it all, I was like, you know, if this is what it takes, like if I ever have to go broke like this again for this outcome, like I'm going to choose that every time. But I did learn a lot, so hopefully I'll never have to go. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, and that's the thing about taking a risk. On the other side, you you learn so many valuable lessons that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have access to. So I think that's like always, I guess, the bright side to look at. Absolutely. You know, it's money. Like, I know that's the other side. Like, being creative is we know how to hustle, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I know a lot of creative ways to make money, so... It's um it's one of those things. This money, I'll I'll get it back in you know tenfold at some point. It'll you know I'll laugh about it in a couple of years, but Absolutely. yeah, I'll definitely do it again. Feel like you needed to move to New York. I lived here when I, in 2012 mm-hmm. uh, as an intern, and I lived here for a year. And just the feeling that I had that year that I lived here, and that was 2012. I've never had that feeling in any other place. You know, mm-hmm. like Chicago, Atlanta, Milwaukee. No other place has ever given me that that rush or that energy that New York gave me that year. And so for me, I knew I needed to be here because there's just something about New York City to me. And it's not the same for everybody. You know, some some people come here and they don't like it or, you know, mm-hmm. Los Angeles is that is that place. You can you can make it anywhere. Right. Um but 
for me is just something New York just speaks to my soul. I visited here when I was 11 and when I was 11, I was like, I'm going to live there. So mm-hmm. it's just something <laughs> that connects me to this city. Um, so yes, I felt like I did have to come here not only for um, my career, but just for my mental health as well. I just felt like it was the best place for me. And how, have you adjusted as far as because you like Milwaukee is totally different from New York and even Chicago is different from New York so how have you adjusted because there are some people who listen in that want to make that move to New York do you have any tips for them yeah I would I would hope and pray that you have a solid support system Mm because I think that's probably the most important thing to live in a place like this is having support of like family or like really really good friends like I live with my friends right now you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like just because it is it it can take a lot and if you don't come here you know with employment and you come here as a creative and you're looking to do freelance work it can be a bit expensive so you know I would say if you can and again I'm I'm a firm believer in like risking it off or even if you don't have the money and you feel like you can make it work make it work but if you have the opportunity to come here with a little bit of cash, like I would definitely recommend that. And yeah, like a really good support system and come with an open mind and, and don't be married to just like one idea of what you think your life should look like mm. in New York. Like when I lived here in 2012, I thought it was going to definitely be like um, sex in the city. You know what I mean? Like it was going <laughs> to be fabulous. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like everybody, especially, you know, at that time, everybody thought that was what it was like to live mm-hmm. in New York. And it is not that. It can be that way, but that was not my reality at that time. And so coming back the second time, um, you know, I, I did, you know, I had an idea of what I wanted to get done and what I wanted it to look like. But I was also very open because this is a city like you can't predict the day here. Right. And so just you know, having an open mind. And if you feel like New York's a good place for you, give it a shot. And, you know, you can always go home if if it doesn't work. So I've been waiting to talk about this final piece of what you do. You are working on something that I think is pretty dope. It is Night View Live. Tell everybody. Yes. I was like, when I saw it, I said, oh, this is so good. Okay. So for people who don't know, tell us what it is. And then I'll jump in with some questions. Yeah. So Night View Live is going to be a nightly uh, panel style news broadcast. It's going to be live, obviously, and it's going to be hosted by um, three to four millennials of color. And kind of um, the, our tagline is uh, intelligent ignorance. And what we want to accomplish with that is we want to combine um, all of these different conversations you know, that we see on social media, that we see on TV, and bring it into the night space. Because there isn't, you know, aside from like the night, the nighttime talk show host, there's nobody on TV at night that really looks like us. And the networks, yeah, you know, and the networks don't seem like they're really in a rush to give that to us. Um, But, you know, there are conversations that need to be had. And so we're going to combine like culture, politics, lifestyle, uh, you know, music, entertainment, everything, and um, give it, give you news from the perspective of the people who run culture. You know what I mean? The people Mm -hmm. that the culture is kind of, molded by mm-hmm. um, so that's that's what night view live is going to be i'm super excited like i've actually we've been in like video interviews all day because we're in our casting stage for that and so 
just the people that have been um, interviewing with us are amazing. Like they're making the like making it so hard for me to choose like who I want to go on the show because there's so many talented, talented people out there who take like broadcasting really, really seriously. And it's it's honestly a shame. Like that's the other part about it is like it's it's a shame that these networks are not hiring more people like that because the people we've seen, I'm like, I wish I had a bigger budget to be able to pay you more because that's how good I think you are. So I'm really, really excited about what that idea is going to be. I think that's such an amazing idea. I am rooting for y'all because one, it just takes a lot of courage to step out there and say, this is what you're going to do. And then even just to put yourself out there, it's just a whole nother thing. And you mentioned something that I wanted to talk to you about as far as budget. So, okay, you have this idea and I know that you are the co-creator in this. So how did you all like come up with the funds or because there are a lot of people out here who have great ideas and it's just my goal to one um, level up people's thinking about what they can mm-hmm. do. But then like, that's the thing that everybody always comes to me is like, Siobhan, it's the money aspect. I think that is what stops a lot of like really, really great creatives from getting their art out to the masses. Um, but what I, one thing I did learn with the podcast festival mm-hmm. um, is to not be afraid to ask people for money. You know, mm-hmm. like there's so much money out here. And if you do your research and you know who your artist for, like you establish your target demographic and then you do your research into that target demographic, you can get people to give you money. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like a lot of the stuff that I create is my target demo is obviously going to be like black millennial women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at like the Nielsen, like Nielsen just did a huge report called Our Science, um, Her Magic. And it's all about black women as consumers and like what we consume and like how we are the driving forces behind a lot of market trends. So that's something that I take in my deck and say, hey, I'm creating this show. My target demo is African-American women who, you know, spend this much on beauty products and they Mm -hmm. spend this much on digital products. Right. So if I'm going to like a beauty company to ask them to to advertise on our show or to sponsor our show, like, hey, this benefits you and me because you're getting to touch your target demo. You know, the, the same with just other products. I say, like, do their research on who your target demo is and then ask people for money. You will get a lot of no's. Like, people will tell you no, but you will see that there are people out there who do want to invest because they want their products you know, and their business be patronized. Yeah. So that like budget, there are ways to get around it. And then if all else fails, like get a job and then pay for it out of your pocket. You know, like sometimes it takes money to make money. And, um, you know, if it, if it ever comes down to that, like I, I don't, I have no problem using an entire paycheck from work to fund um, a project that I'm passionate about because I know the return on that is going to be, you know, way, way more. So where do you see Night View Live going? Like what in your ideal mind, like how do you want it to be, let's say just two years from now? Not even, no, let's say a year from now. A lot of people, like a lot of, even when we started to create this, like our goal was to um, start, you know, doing it on our own mm-hmm. five nights a week and then um, get approached by a network for mm-hmm. broadcast. But again, with, you know, research and 
We love to do our research. I know that digital is like the way, like that content lives in digital, right? So mm-hmm. like a network, having it on TV is traditionally the goal. But what I would love to to do is create um, our own like digital streaming platform mm-hmm. and then have night view, you know, have night view as right. like the anchor for like the digital streaming platform. Like that's kind of like where my mind goes. Cause I had a little stint where I worked in tech. I worked for Uber corporate for a little while. And so I was able to just kind of see like the tech world and there's so much access there. We have been talking about like creating an app, um, like a digital streaming app, and then having Night View and then like other content by independent uh, creators on that platform. So that's where I see it going, you know, like developing an app and stuff like that, that can take years. So I don't know if if a year, in a year's time, that will be up. But yeah, just within a year to have Night View just as, you know, as popular as like, you know, what someone who inspires me a lot is Issa Rae. So I saw what she did with Awkward Black Girl. Mm -hmm. So having that type of success with like an online platform. I think that's a really dope idea. And I want y'all to win. I want you to win. Thank you. I want you to win too, girl. (laughs) Thank you. Because when you win, it's just like, it really boosts people. That's my whole thing. Like, that's why I do this. Because the more people I show to women, like, hey, it's women out here doing it, it, mm-hmm. it like diminishes you telling yourself that you can't. Because I try right. to do so many different walks of life, people who just decided to do it, people who went to school, people who dropped out of school. Like, I give you mm-hmm. so many different perspectives so you cannot lie to yourself and say, mm, no, her story is not like mine. No, I'm going to find somebody's story very similar to you to show yep. you how to do it. Yep, and then, you know, the other side of that is if you don't hear somebody with a story like yours, that means that yours needs yes. to be told. You know what I mean? Because that might be the missing piece and, like, you might be the person to to save, you know, a life coming up after you who who doesn't know if they can do it. So just always be willing to I don't know. I'm always like, I'll just risk it all, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> as long as I as long as I don't die, I live to see you another day. Like I right. live to like do it again and like get it right the second time. <laughs> I feel you. I have always been a risk taker. Like I just be looking mm-hmm. back like, girl, you just be out here. Just <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm going to do a podcast. That's how I was with the podcast. I decided one day I put it on social media. I had no, nobody that I was about to interview. And I was like, oh, I'm about to do a podcast. My girlfriend was like, so crazy. I was like, yeah. But like we're whole on season three and I've interviewed over 50 women. See, because you just went out there and did it. That's what I'm saying, girl. I, I love it. I'm super like happy about this platform. I love what it stands for. Like really, really excited to be here. Thank you. So before I get to the very last question, I want to ask you, what is next for you as a creative? Night View. (laughs) Night View Live. Look out for that. That's what's next. Um, Q1 of next year. Again, I've contributed two episodes to the District Queen podcast. So that'll be premiering. the same Q1 of next year, um, and then Black Girl Training, which is a short film that I wrote the comedy script for. That should be like the second quarter of 2019, and yeah, I have some some other 
projects that I have open, just like some podcasts that I've been developing that I want to pitch because I don't, I don't necessarily want to host them. I think, I don't think I would be like the best host for them, mm-hmm. but I've developed them and I want to find hosts and find platforms for those. And yeah, like I wrote out like a mock treatment for uh, like a reality show that I would like to pitch at some point um, in 2019. So I'm just, working on like whatever comes to my mind I'm writing it down and not not letting you know my ideas die so those three things might be live black girl trading and district cleaner like the three main things that will be happening for me last words for women that are listening that are considering being a storyteller or creative what advice do you have for them don't worry about being perfect don't worry about it being the right time because if there's one thing I learned, it will never be perfect mm-hmm. and there will never be a right time. So you just have to do it. And again, like I said, risk it all because if you don't die, you will live to be able to do it over the next day. <laughs> yes, I don't want y'all to die. I felt like there was more to say, but I think that's, I think that says enough to just be, do everything fearlessly and not not worry about being perfect. Like I think we spend so much time on like thinking about how we'll be perceived or how other people will look at us and the work that we do. But mm-hmm. the best thing to do is just to get it out there and you'll only get better. Like, you know, I'm sure you know this, Shalon. Like you look at some of the, the earlier work you did and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that was good. <laughs> Yeah. I could not believe I thought that was good. So <laughs> you have to, you, have, you know, you got to put it out there in order for you to be able to have stuff to look back on and see how far you come. So just start, like wherever you are, just start and just figure it out as you go. So let everyone know how they can keep in touch with you, how if they want to reach out and collaborate, how they can connect with you. Yeah, I'm always open to collaborations and like, just like brainstorming conversations, whatever. I'm in the New York area, but like more than happy to chat with women who don't live out on the East Coast. So my Instagram is at J Henley Brown, and that's J H E N L E Y Brown, like the color. My Twitter is the same J Henley Brown, just with an underscore. My website is jhenleybrown.com. So you can go there and you can contact me there, like via email. Feel free to hit me up. I'm always you know, try to make myself as available as possible for, for collaboration. And I'm so thankful that you were my first guest for season three. Yes. No, I'm so flattered. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all cause Siobhan, Siobhan knew me when I was a young wild child. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so glad that you uh, wanted to have me on your platform now that I'm uh, refined. <laughs> Listen, some of my friends all the time. I'm ratchet and righteous. So it's cool. Exactly. So everyone, thank you for listening in. You know the drill. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Go live those filmmaking dreams. Make sure you leave a comment, you subscribe, and you tell somebody. Don't be out here in these streets being stingy and not sharing the goodness. So until next time.